Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David and Zach. What's up, guys? You, you playing squadrons this weekend? Are we going to lead off every show with how many, how many hours of squadrons did you play? All right. You know what? It wasn't a lot no, of just, hours. I mean, David is the chip leader, right? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So he's, taking, he's taking a little bit of offense here because he's the chip leader. And he's like, back off of me, Kyle. But I will say this. Kyle Bushman and I played like three games last night. Uh, when you hear this, it's going to be Tuesday. So it was really Sunday night. Um, and we went 3-0. and And it wasn't a lot of hours, but they were productive hours. It might have been like an hour, honestly. We were making quick work. And when I say that Kyle was like spoon feeding my bomber, um, it was kind of ridiculous. Um, I don't, I don't know what was going on. Um, we were playing empire and he just kept on like feeding me health and shield. And I just kept on going on these bombing runs that were just unstoppable. Um, and we made some quick work. We got literally, I think three games in in like an hour. Like, I think it was pretty quick. It was very efficient. But yeah, there was one bombing run where you made like four passes or something ridiculous. And yeah, it didn't even feel good doing it. (laughs) That's how dirty it is. Spamming those health packs. There you go. 2,000 health. There you go. 2,000 health. You had like three guys on you. It just kept on saying shielded by Orchimedes, resupplied by Orchimedes. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you could win a squadrons game because apparently you can't win a Star Wars Legion one, Zach. I conceded that game, so it doesn't even count. Not even, not even in the books. Can't lose if you don't play. Yeah, exactly. It's the deep mind thinking, you know. Um, we were up four nothing, and the game didn't really mean anything. I'm not trying to be mean about it. Uh, we were already in, and I felt good about the points. And uh, it's easier to get like an hour of squadrons in than it is to be like, "Hey, honey, I'm sitting to play tabletop simulator next to you for the next three and a half hours." So. Um, I chose the easier road, especially when it's my kid's birthday today, the day that we're recording. So we had to also prepare the house the night, like it was like the night before with some like decorations and balloons and presents that I actually forgot about. Um, as my wife is sitting like a room across from me, you can probably hear me say that. I forgot that we needed to do that. So when I scheduled the game for Sunday night, I really goofed up. Um, but you guys carried me. So it's all good. Carried in Legion, carried in squadrons. When, when are you going to, when are you going to, Walk on your own two feet, man. <laughs> um, considering I am taking care of two children right now, I need you guys to carry me as much as you can. <laughs> there you go. It's funny because you, you were like, yeah, we, uh, me, John, and, and Kyle played like three matches last night. It turns out me, David, and Kyle played three matches at a different time <laughs> last night. <laughs> uh, yep, I almost joined true. back in, but... I started watching the boys and I got hooked. It and that's a whole another story. Yo, 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 yo. But, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. It's it's not super PG, so let's not talk about it a ton. But the boys is an awesome show. If you love superheroes, you should watch the crap out of it. It is amazing. I don't even. I can't. Again, super not PG and super not cast related. But it is. If you do watch TV and you like comic book stuff, it's so good. Is, is this just um, show my wife would actually watch with me? Um, so um, that depends on what your wife is into. Uh, there is a lot of exploding bodies and like uh, sexually graphic content. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I mean, if 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 you would watch a like a graphic HBO show, it's probably okay. 
if it's you basically wouldn't, you wouldn't. It's she basically not, Game she of Thrones. Watch Game of Thrones with me. It's Game of Thrones mixed with like comic books. Is how I if you, like, okay. No, no, not not in that same. Not like in that area. I'm talking about like the graphicness and like the way. I think it's much more graphic than Game of Thrones. Oh, it probably is. I mean, there was a moment last night that it's a complete tangent here. There was a moment I was dying laughing last night, and for you, Kyle, my wife was sitting there completely horrified. So I probably think that your wife would probably feel the same way. Okay, that's that's a good barometer. Thank you. Yeah, it's an excellent show. Highly recommend. It's funny as all get out. Um, a lot of it is satirical. So noted. All right, how about we talk about some Legion? Let's hit housekeeping real quick. Housekeeping. So uh, we got some new mats on the site. Go check them out. Thefifthtrooper.com/store. We have a bunch of other stuff on there, uh, including hobby supplies. I just wrote a B1 article last week, uh, which included a hobby section, which I'm going to try and do now for unit guides because I love to paint and assemble, including B1s. I yeah. didn't love doing it 50 times, but... <laughs> um, I uh, I also, I don't even remember which products it was, but I, I did throw up a bunch of new Army Painter products on the web store this okay. week so Sweet. um check out our hobby and painting sections for that stuff i think it was like um paint brushes and stuff like that so um if you're looking for more painting supplies uh we added a bunch of stuff to the store yeah i think one of them was the mega the mega paintbrush set because i, I yes, saw it the other yeah. day and i was like oh man i kind of want those <clears throat> now mind you i haven't been wanting to paint forever it feels like but I saw that and I was like, I want those paintbrushes because I can never have enough paintbrushes. David's probably going to yell at me, clean your brush. I clean my brushes. It doesn't matter. My paintbrushes just never last. That is, I'm an animal. If you want to call me an can animal, it's fine. Can you scold him now? Because I can't yeah. adequately do it. Yeah, paint, clean your brushes, dude. Get, your, get yourself a pot of masters and clean those brushes, okay? I've got masters, man. Stop, just, stop getting just, paint in the fuller, you pleb. Is that good enough? Yep, that'll work. Thank you. All right. Yeah. No, I I also clean my brushes and I also go through brushes really fast. So I don't know. I'm sure I'm just not doing it right. Sorry but, if I traumatized uh, anyone out there with that. <laughs> that absolutely berating this man. It sounds like we need brush cleaner on our web store, Mike. Yeah, I uh, I will say that I do think that like cleaning brushes is one of the more difficult parts of the hobby. In in that like you have to like it's really easy to forget it and not do it right. And like, oftentimes you don't even really think about it. Like a lot of times you like finish painting, like swirled around in your cup of water and call it a day. Right. Yeah. That doesn't count. You got to actually like use brush cleaner, you know, twist the little bristles in the brush cleaner and right. Let it dry with a point. That's another thing too. And dry it horizontal, never dry it vertical, either up or down. You want to dry it horizontal. So that's interesting. I uh, and maybe I was told incorrectly. So maybe you can. Uh, I was always told to let the liquids or whatever was like left in there to, um, like let gravity pull it into the. I don't know what the metallic part that holds the brush bristles together that, that's, is. That's the fuller. Yeah. Um. I, I was always told to like let it, like. Uh, solidify in there because it would help it stick together. I don't know how true that is. Uh, 
I don't, I don't know. My, my experience is if, if there's paint in the fuller, then it's going to make the brush fray. That's been my experience, especially if you're using like a metallic paint. That's why I use crappy brushes when I do metallics because they're already like dying. It's like, this thing doesn't hold a point. That's fine. I don't really need a point. Though, I mean, sometimes like for like really fine detail work, I'll still use a, a, a tiny Kalinsky sable, but you don't really need to use it, to use that much paint for like, say like the, you know, like say I'm like doing buckles or something, right? It's very tiny amount of paint you actually need. And like, I don't even thin it down. You just, you just dip and just do a little touch and it's all, all takes just boop and then you're done. You don't need to even go back and, and redo it, but you really just need to sort of be very careful with how much paint you get on the brush. But anyway, yeah, like my, I guess what I've read or watched on YouTube <laughs> is that you, you have to let it dry horizontal because you don't want anything getting in the fuller because that will make it fray, but you absolutely want to, to like Kyle said, twirl it into a point so that it dries with a point and that will train the, that trains the bristles to make the shape you want. And like the, the sharpness of the point is going to help your accuracy tremendously. Um, I, I don't know. I have very, I have varying experiences with it. Some brushes I find they're just a little bit too long and I just want them to, I want them to, I want like a certain ratio of like bristle length to, to, um, stiffness, I guess in the, in the, in the bristle. I, I don't know. I'm just, maybe I'm just very particular. But in terms of drying the brush, you, sh you really should let it dry horizontal. Yep, I agree. That's um, I've had the same experience. So yeah. Anyway, this was your impromptu hobby section. Yeah, we suddenly we suddenly went into a hobby section. <laughs> uh, you should also check out our Patreon at thefifthtrooper.com slash Patreon. If you like the show, if you like the other shows, if you like the blog. I think it's patreon.com slash the fifth trooper okay I'll, i'm gonna stop doing web, <laughs> web links <laughs> I, I, just, <laughs> I, I just wanted to clarify that because I, I i'm not sure i mean maybe we may have like a landing page at the fifth trooper.com yeah, yeah, yeah. there's but... a reason i raised my eyebrow questioningly when i said that <laughs> yeah i, I was know. hoping I'm, you would jump in i'm here to correct you it's okay yeah. i still haven't uh, checked out ffg.com out of complete you know worry about where kyle was sending me so <laughs> Speaking of ffg.com, um, I got an article posted on fantasyflightgames.com about Padme, Padme 201. So go check it out. Yeah, it's a fun article, and they threw some sweet new graphics in there. They did. Were awesome. Um, Those list building graphics are sweet. Nice job marketing. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. So excited about that. Um, I think what that's a, it's a couple articles we've had on there now. So yep. um, it's pretty, pretty legit. All right. So let's let's have our first actual Legion topic here. What do you guys miss the most about playing Legion in real life? Hmm. Understanding understanding that Zach and David have both successfully played at least one game. Uh, okay. so yeah, yeah. What is play? that? It's still it's still Olsen. It doesn't matter. We, I've played two in real life games since this all started. Probably since February. Honestly, since LVO, I think I've played two games. So we're talking what eight months going on nine months. That of is not playing. two more than I have played. Okay. Well, all right, Mike. But what my point was is that it still feels as the same. And and it boils down to like like I'm not gonna go on a tangent about TTS. I'm just sick of TTS, but it's all we have to really play. So no matter how many times I do play right now, which is one in a 
blue moon or one in a Tatooine sun for you, Mike. Okay. Um, it's, it's still like such a real thing to like sit down at, the T, at like a TTS game and be like, oh man, I'd rather be hovering over this table. And believe it or not, you know what? Actually, you want to know what the thing I miss the most, and it's going to sound crazy, but it is the tokens in front of me. It is always chaotic. It is never in a line. It is never like it always starts off nice and calm. Okay. And then you start playing games and I play clones, right? And this surges down and then there's more surges because I play Kenobi and there's all sorts of surges on the table. And then instead of like being nice and calm, putting them into things, my side of the board just becomes this pile of like tokens and craziness and and it becomes chaos. And the reason why that's my favorite part of the game is that I'm so worried or I'm so in tune about what I'm doing on the table. I don't care what my side of the table looks like. I'm I'd rather be focused on the game and I know that sounds crazy, but the, the more chaos that I see on the side of the table means that there's probably more important things going on on the actual table. And that's just a sign of a good game. And I, I just miss that. I really do. I, I feel you on that, Zach. Um, but I also feel like my physical habits with Legion components are, are disappearing because I simply, principally because I don't play on a physical table anymore. And so you know, it's, it's just, it feels kind of foggy, if that makes sense. It's sort of like, I know I should do this here, but I don't remember quite how it works or, and then like, even so the store that I play at now, um, you know, it's kind of a newish community. And so we don't use silhouettes. And so I'm still using the true line of sight rules. And, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know, like my brain is kind of like divorcing it from how it used, how it used to be when live events were still happening. Um, and telling myself, you know, we're just here to have fun. You know, we're just trying to have a, have a good game. Um, so it just feels kind of foggy and it's sort of like, eh, this is okay, you know, or yeah, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give her, you know, I'll give her that shot or him that shot. Um, or sort of like, uh, um, the terrain is not quite what I'm used to as a tournament player. So there's like part of my head that's kind of like, well, if this was a real tournament, then the tables would be like this and then uh, or would have more stuff on them and it'd be easier to maneuver or this piece of terrain would be more well-defined and I wouldn't have to worry about it so much. Or it, it's just, I kind of miss the, I kind of miss the the physical standards that tournaments were, were, were at before COVID happened. And I, I, and now I'm sort of, you know, back into this, like, well, everything's kind of foreign, everything's kind of new again. And we're all trying to like relearn how to, how to do the physical act of playing the game, it seems. Um, and as far as like the side of the table being messy, I think that's just a bad habit. Like, I think that can be eliminated by just doing, like, have, by practicing good habits. Nah. Um, I have issues with like, you know, not having components and like, you know, Mike, you've played me in person. Um, you know that my side of the table got super messy during LVO and I was having trouble finding stuff. And in fact, I probably lost some things at LVO that I have to find again somehow or rebuy. But it's, um, I think that's, you, you get your time back and that's gonna be even more important if the game goes to chess clocks. But right now the game, it's like a courtesy to your opponent not to waste time trying to like find your one speed template. 
because it's buried under your token box or something or hey, your token bag. I said tokens. My tools are always in my hands. I don't know what it is. I always have them in my hand, whether it's a range ruler or a movement tool. I know where those are at all times. Tokens, mm. I just throw off. <laughs> yeah, you just throw them away. I'll be the first to admit that I'm constantly losing my movement tools. Mm. It's, those the, key, are, <laughs> the key is to bring the multiple. One. Yeah. The key is to bring well, multiple. Right. 100%. I have three sets and I still lose. I still lose crap. Only in the three. Table. Yeah. I've got yeah. six core sets worth of rage release. Wow. Well, tools. you're ridiculous because you decided to try and collect four factions. Yeah, you're well, a sicko. Look, man. I mean, I have enough for countless number of people to play. With that being said, <clears throat> I will say that, like, David, your point about like forgetting stuff—that's mm-hmm. my greatest fear. Like, so I didn't play Armada for like two years and then i signed up for the nova armada tournament and i brought my all my models all my cards i forgot my damage deck and it wasn't because like it wasn't because i like i just like didn't even it didn't even click that i needed to bring it like like (laughs) it, it i didn't even remember that it was a part of the game you know and it was like i was just like oh I got there and I was like, hmm, this is a mm. problem. And and luckily, um, you know, there was a guy there that, that lo- loaned me an extra damage deck, which is super fantastic. And like, thank you. Um, but like, I'm like, I don't know. That first time you go back to play Legion, like you're going to have to remember all the stuff. Like one thing FFG games are not like. Uh, they're not simplistic in that there's like a ton of stuff you have to bring right like there's the it's not you can't just show up with the models and some dice you've got models dice all these different tokens uh you know range ruler movement tool you know it's just it's a lot of junk um and i'm just you know order tokens right i didn't even put that on the list you know like i haven't i haven't played with an order token in like a physical one in a very long time. Like I could totally see myself like just forgetting my order token bag. Um, you know, and it's just like, it's like those in- ingrained habits that I'm not, you know, you kind of have to retrain after, you know, just sitting down at your computer and playing a bunch of TTS games. It does it all for you. It automates it all. It's not tangible anymore. Um, so Yeah. Yeah, my first game back, I left my unit cards at home. <laughs> so I was like, well, great. Now my opponent just has to trust that I know what the heck I'm talking about. And I mean, it's not like, I, it's not like I'm going to forget what a Rebel Trooper rolls, right? Because I've been playing the game for two years. Like, if you don't know it by now, like, what are you doing? Hey, man, did <laughs> you know that uh, Rebel Strike teams have tactical? Um, uh, did, did you not no. know that? Are you sure? No, they don't. They really, they really, really they can, don't. They can also share those tokens <laughs> with other units. Yeah, and they can dodge crits with dodge tokens, I'm sure. All right, check the clock. How long do we take? All right. All right. <laughs> I know, right? It, <laughs> that, that wasn't that was very short actually. That seemed like less than a I don't point. I don't believe that is a uh that is an infraction. There was no uh notice of the unit that you guys are alluding to. Uh, I just uh, said the word <laughs> tactical and you guys all, assumed all I know all Eho I know shall not that, be named. All I know is that I have to choose between moving and shooting. <laughs> with a name token i mean all right uh so the thing that i miss the most <laughs> is 
I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the uh, the Miss America answer here. I miss the people. Ah! That is a Miss America answer. Um, I just I miss seeing you guys. I miss my other Legion friends. I miss meeting random people at the store that you've never played with before. Um, that's what I miss. Then they might have COVID. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, eventually, at some point, uh, we're gonna be in a world without COVID, right? And yeah. we're gonna yeah. be back to shaking hands. Well, not completely without it, but at some point you're going to be able to like shake someone's hands over a table again. Sure, maybe. Yeah, it might be a while, but... Everybody will just be wearing gloves, I'm sure. It'll be fine. I mean, is it weird that I was watching like a TV show the other day and, you know, two people shook hands on the TV and I was like, that's weird looking. What is what is this? <laughs> anyway, uh, the second... It's, it's important. The handshake is embedded in our culture. It is, yeah. So it's really important. Yeah, and the second thing that I miss... Besides the people, are the the range rulers? I mean, you guys mentioned tools, but like I miss just picking up a physical range ruler and just waving it around. I almost felt yeah. bad. We had to do some cover checks because there was it was one of the situations where you had like a cylinder, a cylindrical building, and like it has these like little little like flanges on the bottom, and it was sort of like well that would obscure the base, right? So I felt really bad because I, I asked my opponent for a laser. And they, of course, they don't have it, you know, because they're kind of new. And I don't have one because I forgot, of course. And so I was sort of like, oh, man, TTS, you know, making me less casual than I should be about this. And so, like, I sort of, like, had to do a best guess. But I actually used the physical range ruler to try to do center to center. And I was like, wow, I haven't done that in forever <laughs> with the physical ruler. Yeah, it's not an ideal use of it. But that pro tip uh, for those playing Legion in person at some point. Get a line laser. Yeah, line lasers not, are much more accurate. Yeah, not like a laser pointer, the actual thing that makes like a, you know, Mix a line up. on the table. Uh, there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of like hobby focused ones. You can also just go to a hardware store and get one. That's what I did. Harbor Freight has some that are pretty cheap that make good lines. Uh, the one that I have actually makes a an X. So you can use it for arcs and stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and I just got that. It's like a hardware one, so it's not super pricey or anything. But uh, those are also explicitly allowed in the tourney regs, I, th I believe. So yeah, you think you um, can use line lasers? Was an option. Yeah. It's, it's technically a third-party component, but it is allowed. It's a yeah, it's a specifically allowed one, and you'll most judges will have them too. Uh, I know Brendan is legendary for his like ridiculously high-powered green lightsaber line laser that. <laughs> It possibly melts the PVC models when it's used. Um, but yeah, get a line laser. Super, not very expensive, extremely helpful for center to center and uh, firing arcs and stuff like that. There's like one other thing that I miss, and it's kind of something we all might be missing. I don't know. But the thing about not having like real games to look forward to or like tournaments to look forward to is my lack of desire to play the same list over and over to fine tune it to bring it to an event like let's put it in perspective the last time there was an event like lvo right i was playing like two to three times a week even if i had to like force that time in you know with my busy life with the kids okay i only had one at the time mind you but even with two now i would if, let's say if a tournament was coming up i would find time to carve out and play two to three times a week to get prepared and to fine tune a list and without in real life events right now, right? 
is I'm just kind of playing a list and it's like riding a bike. If I play well with it, I play well with it, but like it's put together and it's kind of how it's operate, but I'm not trying to fine tune it. Um, and you know, I, I was thinking about that the other day and that kind of feels bad. Um, no, or not bad, but it's just not what I'm used to. I'm used to having that desire to want to play two to three times a week to fine tune a list. And it's kind of hard to be there. I know there's a lot of things around the corner with, you know, potentially LVO and, you know, invader leagues coming up after David's, you know, team league and stuff like that. There's a lot of different things to prepare for, but it doesn't feel the same. Um, it's hard to kind of explain. I mean, unless you feel it, I mean, you know, Kai, you're shaking your head. Yes. Maybe you kind of feel the same way, but it's just how I feel right now. But Mike, you're in a whole nother planet trying to make your own arc star thing going on over there. So I don't, I'm not sure when the last time I played a list that wasn't arc star was. Uh, when we, when we prepped for worlds back in whenever that was February. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it should be noted that I think. last, last invader league I, I ran and this upcoming invader league I'm running. So for me personally, as I'm not going to play, I have nothing to kind of prepare for. Um, you know what I mean? And it's even Invader is not the same. Like I, I get exactly what you're saying, right? You miss you miss having a benchmark where you're like, this tournament is on the horizon, even if it's months away, right? I'm gonna be competing in it and I need to find a list for that tournament and I need to practice it. You know, we've talked about running a gauntlet with with teammates on this show before. Like, I mean, we're not going to do that for Invader. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and it again, just, it's not to say not to take anything away from Team League either. But like Team League, I'm running a list that I wouldn't necessarily be running if I had the choice, right? And I'm not saying that the list I'm running is bad. I like the list I'm running, but I would be running a clone list that you know that has arcs in it, right? Or like, but because Mike's running a clone list with arcs in it, I can't run it because that's the the, the parameters of oh, the list right. building, there are, right? There are certain restrictions, right? There's certain yeah. restrictions. So I'm not saying I'm not excited to play my list. It's just not something I would necessarily be playing. I mean, um, I or fine tuning, say. It's sort of interesting because, like, for me, the only way I ever got painting done really was to like hit those benchmarks. I was like, oh, this has got to be painted in time for X event. I've had eight months of no events and I've gotten like no painting done, even though I've had like nothing to do. It's just like I don't have the motivation to do it because there's no reason to, you know? Yeah, deadlines, uh, yeah. deadlines give you the motivation sometimes, right? Like, for example, I was, you know, I moved out of California and I had, I promised a friend of mine to finish painting some stuff for, for them. And I had to just say, yeah, this has to be done before I move away. <laughs> and so every day I was up and it's like, well, I guess I'll paint these 10 clan rats or it, it was, I was painting 60 clan rats. Okay. And it was not fun, but you know, I did it right. Because I wanted to make sure it was done. And it was done and, and, but that gave me the motivation to do it every day. And so sometimes the deadline is like very useful, you know, especially if like, it's like at some point, right. Your why overwhelms the reasons not to do it. Right. That's kind of how it is with a lot of decision-making, right. The, the why has to be strong. And in this case, the why was, if I don't do this, I don't get to play. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. It's really nice to have that benchmark to be able to look forward to. And even, you know, even Invader, right? That's for me, I've always viewed it as like practice because I, I, you know, I personally don't have a lot of time to get actual like regular practice games in, 
unless I have a specific goal, a specific short term, like I need to, I need to match this list uh, for a specific tournament coming up. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Well, we're all excited for when we can play together again, whenever that is, when we can see each other at the next convention, whether it's LBO or Depticon or Northeast Open or whatever ends up happening in 2021, who knows? Um, so uh, on that note, let's hit, let's hit breakthrough. Get ready for advanced tactics. So we've been doing a series on objectives, specifically. Objectives 101, if you will. And this week we're hitting breakthrough. So how do you guys approach breakthrough as an objective? Am I blue? Let's let's just, for for the first part of this discussion, let's say that you're blue. Okay. Uh <sighs> Yeah, Zach, you, you probably you and I are probably gonna say something similar here. Well, it depends on what you're playing. Okay. Um, is that well is where I was gonna start with, right? Is I approach breakthrough almost differently every time I play breakthrough. Um and maybe that's because I'm jumping factions between rebels and clones a lot because well, they both play differently. Let um, me ask you this though. Yeah. Because I feel like <clears throat> breakthrough is only different if you're red. Like generally, like yeah. if if you're blue, that means you put breakthrough in your battle deck, which nowadays means that you, like, you have a game plan and you want to be taking it right. Like if if you're taking uh, breakthrough right now, you've got some sort of stap or speeder bike or tauntaun. Like you're not. I mean, I I guess Mandalorians. But I actually think tauns suck at breakthrough. That's that's uh, very possible. We can, we can have that conversation, but. But I mean, like, <laughs> I just don't think I just don't think they are good on breakthrough. I, they're good for d different reasons than the actual that, breakthrough part of the card. Okay, um, that opinion that opinion is su is so sus. Oh well, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll come back I mean, on that. All right, let's, let's circle let's, let's back circle back to, to that. But, okay. but what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is is I think that lists blue blue breakthrough lists I think look very similar for the most yes. part. Yes, yeah, um, that's fair. So, so I guess what I was trying to say was, do you feel? the your strategy to approach breakthrough is generally different because you're approaching breakthrough as red player well i think that rebels are in a weird spot generally right now with when it comes to the battle deck so i think that you might be putting breakthrough in because you don't want to play other objectives right now with with rebels even if your list isn't even that good for breakthrough i i can see a case for, i know cause making a, a face but i don't like a lot of vital assets for a lot of rebel lists and I could see a case where you're kind of forced to take breakthrough or not forced. I mean, you have that option, but I don't like bombing run for a lot of rebel lists that I play. I like playing Luke and I like playing a gun line. I like playing Cassie and Luke gun line. Okay. Uh, bombing runs not good for that list. Um, I think it is just as bad, but well, it is, but you, but I would rather bring breakthrough than I would bombing run. Oh, totally. But you got more than two objectives to pick from. <laughs> well, no, no, but I was getting it to that point. I don't okay. like payload as a rebel player. Um, I could see the case for it with a with a Luke with a Luke gun line. I get and I get the face that you're giving me, but I don't like it with rebels. And I also don't, I mean, we know how I feel about hostage exchange. So now you break down the other cards, and this is with all with clones in mind, and this is a little bit of a tangent. I'm not playing intercept the transmissions with rebels right now. Okay, so if I'm playing a Luke casting gun line out of those objectives, and I know maybe Kyle will take payload, I won't take payload. I personally don't like the objective, and that's just a personal thing. I'm going to bring breakthrough, recover the supplies, 
moisture evaporators and what am I missing? Um, KP. 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 And KP is not even good for that list. And that's what I'm trying to get at is that there are a lot of cards that are not good for that list. And that that's just my own personal thing because I like playing loop gun lines, right? Like if, if that's my own problem for wanting to play that kind of list and not liking the objectives for the list. But my point to that was that for me, my opinion is that even if I am blue, I sometimes find myself not playing breakthrough the same way that most people do because it's not actually good for my list. I brought it to avoid other objectives. Okay, so so there's really there's really a couple of categories here. There's if you're if you're a blue player and you feel like your list is actually good for breakthrough. If you're what Zach was talking about and you're a blue player and you just had slightly worse choices than breakthrough and somehow it ended up in your battle deck still. Which and, I'd like to caveat with, I think is objectively wrong, but yeah, I'm not sure. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I feel confident in my skill in the game to make up for mistakes and breakthrough than I would in mistakes in other game modes. I, 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 get I, that. And, yeah. I think I think you need more payload reps because Luke is really good at payload. Yeah, it could be that I've I've only played payload I've only played payload like two or three times. Yeah. And okay. I also think that payload on and again back to what we discussed earlier, I think payload on a real life table is a lot different story than payload on a TTS table. Well, and that's not to like take away from the TTS tables. It's just I think that there's it's just a totally different ball game on a real life table. I think and I don't want to get hit this too hard but i think the big difference between payload and breakthrough is that r2 can win you the game on payload and on breakthrough he's much less like you're doing that anyways you know Um, right and so i I don't know like because payload is such a low scoring game r2 can really break payload wide open for rebels and for republic obviously yeah i just republic are the payload kings anyway Frankly, I mean, Republicans well, sure. are the king of everything. That's cool. another reason, right? Oh. Is I, I don't want to play payload against. I, I, right. I, I guess I should say that a lot of the problems with the rebels and what I brought up and how I feel about rebels in, in their battle deck is that you're going to have to play against a clone player and you don't want to play against them on payload. Um, right. I mean, it's you like, necessarily don't want to play them on breakthrough either, yeah. but but that's what I'm really getting this is at. A subtle way of saying you don't ever want to play them, but sure. yeah. No, so let's actually, let's circle. No, not, no, no, it's not. It's not clone salt. Okay, it's, it's not. Really no, not. it's not that. It's about it's about strategizing your battle deck to make sure that you're on a different foot than you would be on another slate. Like hostage exchange, you're starting on a back foot. Payload, you're starting on a back foot. Um, bombing run against certain lists, you're starting on a back foot. Whereas again, and I know you don't really understand the logic that goes through my brain here, Mike, but the logic that I have is that I can make up for a mistake in breakthrough. And I feel confident that I can turn things around in, in a setting of breakthrough than I would on payload, say against a clone player. Break, breakthrough, breakthrough is a little bit more defensive as an objective than payload is. Payload, probably why, probably why I like it. Cause I'm a defensive player. You can right. So, so let's talk real quick about playing breakthrough defensively where you're playing for zero victory points because I've definitely done that. I think that's valid with certain lists, particularly if you have like a gun line and you're blue player. You can essentially, depending on deployment, right? If you're on battle lines, probably not going to work. If you're on disarray, definitely not going to work. But if you're on like long march or rollout, you can pretty much say like, look, I'm blue player. You can play like Vaps as a blue player in theory. Just be like, look, I'm blue player. Um, 
you know, the game is zero, zero, the points are zero, zero, I'm winning right now. Right. So in order to, okay. I know that this calculus is different if you've got R2 or. No, I just, I feel like no, what you're outlining is a, is a bold face trap. Is how I feel like. about this. It I, is. It I, takes, I, it I takes, it takes from. a lot of defensive player confidence to play like that. All right. Like, but, in, in perspective to what Kyle's getting at is I had a game where Luke Skywalker, this is a long time ago, mind you, Luke Skywalker on a defensive standpoint on breakthrough, on a like Son of Skywalker turn six, wiped a unit while force pushing another unit off because I was not concerned about scoring. I was able to defend. Like I get what Kyle's saying. Like is you're, if you have the opportunity to keep yourself at a zero, zero, and that opportunity is there. You can play that way. I mean, can and you it play works that way? If you... Yes, you absolutely yeah. can. I just, I, I don't think it's a good strategy to to use to approach this objective. Like the the issue with playing breakthrough is defensively is that there comes a point in the game where you can no longer win. Like, like you you literally can't do anything to win the game anymore. Like it could be as early as something like turn four when you realize that you've severely miscalculated or made a significant error and, and that error may have been small to begin with and like you realize that oh, all of a sudden you can't catch a unit or they get a unit into melee unexpectedly and they're able to to like get it into your zone and have you not do anything about it and and they're and if you're playing defensively you can no like there is a there is a point in which you just lose and there is no play that is going to get you out of it. Your margin for error is very small in that situation. Yeah. I have I have some like live some table experience that backs up both what 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 all three of you or backs up what all three of you are saying. But I think you have to do it. You have to do a little bit of both. Um, so on the one hand, right, you've got breakthrough. You're blue. You're winning from the from the get go. But you have to have enough like acumen not to allow one of your units to get full on sniped because that flips the tables on you. And then I think what Mike said about there comes a point where you actually can't win. That nearly happened to me at Gen Con because I was I played full def full defense with Luke and Leia and suddenly I realized OF. Oh, in three turns, these ATRTs are double moving into my zone and I'm going to lose unless they die. And that that was like, it was a race to see if I could kill those RTs. And I did manage to do it at the end of turn five, but it was like, I'm dead if this doesn't happen. Well, it was right. one of those kinds of things. Even though I had played like, like everything was going beautifully until my opponent and I came to the mutual realization that this was going to happen. Like Sabine had panicked off the board, it was great. But like, but like Mike is saying, if you miscalculate, you can you might just not be able to recover. There are definitely chances for that to happen if you play too defensively as blue. Yeah, my problem with playing defensively on blue is that like a lot of times when those situations come up, just about every time, you don't expect it, you didn't see it, you know, like and and you realize it and all of a sudden you're out is to like hit him with luke skywalker with like a like you you gotta hit like he's gotta roll all paint or something to like get you <laughs> out of those situations and i'm and i'm not saying that those situations aren't like technically theoretically winnable but but i do think that like 
you know, um, if you're playing defensively, I, I think that you need, if, if we're going to talk about suggesting playing defensively here, I think there needs to be some sort of suggestion at a passive, like you need to be able to double move a unit into their breakthrough zone on turn six if you need to, you know, like, like not being able to have any scoring units, um, I think is a real mistake. And, and I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I want to preface the defensive conversation with, you still need to be able to score the objective. You need to be able to make like have, if you're going to go in with the defensive strategy, you also have to have the fluidity to be able to read the table and understand that if you need to break something off that is being defensive, you start sending them off. Even if it's like a unit or two, um, and, and it doesn't have to like, I don't, like it depends on the list makeup, but you have to have the like sense of mind to be able to start breaking something off to go break through, like you're saying. And that just stems with kind of playing more games of breakthrough. I think, I think, it, I think breakthrough is actually one of the objectives that you, the more you play it, the more you understand it. Um, believe it or not, as boring as breakthrough can be. Um, I think breakthrough is exciting. Well, yes. It is. It is in a way. I've just. I have had games where they're just boring. Um, I think it's just. It can be. It's not the flashy game. Is what it ends ends up being. Yeah. Right. It's not a flashy game. Well, the, um, the flash is not in the dice rolling. It's in the positioning. Yeah. I it's mean. it's a different kind of flashiness, right? It's more yeah. of like it's more of like you're dancing, like around the table to see who can you know finish it and basically right. give you the Patrick Swayze, right? Right. My rebel troopers have to tackle Sabine here because if they don't tackle Sabine, she gets to run away. Tar pitting is like awesome, that. mind you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other part of the conversation we're going to have. Totally, totally, totally. I mean, yeah. the the prevalence of units with jump really changes breakthrough. Um, yeah, but but I do and, think, and speeder and speeders, right? Yeah. Um, but but I do think that like whenever you're pre- playing breakthrough, you have to be cognizant of like how far a, mo- a unit can move into activations because Absolutely. like last firsting or with something and just moving four times can completely break the game wide open specifically with units like ju- that have jump you know all of a sudden you know I-, I mean i haven't actually done the math on this but you know i, I would be very surprised if mandalorians couldn't go from like one battle lines deployment zone to another battle lines deployment zone in, in two turns they, they can yeah, they 32 can. Is it 32? That's 32, really yeah. No yeah. way. Uh, I mean, it's... 32? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's 8 inches is the speed 3, um, at roughly. Oh, it's 7.9 times 4. Okay, yeah. 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 It's, long. it's a little shy of 32, yep. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not without, you know, that's with no, like, no time for sorrow shenanigans or yeah. new ways to motivate them or, or any other of the cards that, like, do weird stuff like that. So... But like all of a sudden, if there's a hidden Mando unit in your deployment zone, and you can't shoot them, like you're really screwed if you, if you're playing defensive. So that's really a long-winded way of saying that I think you need to be careful with that. Yeah, yeah, and it's you got to look at the table. You got to look at the units on the other end of the table. If if your opponent has mobile units, don't do that. Don't play defensive. At least not the entire game, right? Like make a plan for scoring some victory points. But if, if your opponent is also playing a gun line and you've got a pretty open table and you feel like if either of you moves any units towards your opponent's zone, they're, they're just going to get pasted and die, then maybe you start thinking about 
a zero zero game. But yeah, if your opponent has like Staps or Mandos or Tauntauns or T forty sevens for some reason, you know, don't <laughs> don't just be like, I'm gonna wait this out yeah. because they're just gonna dump that unit from the other end of the table into your deployment zone on the last turn and you're not gonna be able to do anything about it. Yeah, and I, I guess where I'm coming from for this is, is I guess, counterintuitive to what Zach was talking about earlier, is that if Breakthrough is in the battle deck, one of those us- units is present on the table right now, right? Like, it, when you guys say we're playing Breakthrough, I just kind of assume there is there is a mobile unit in the game that changes, like, changes what Breakthrough means. Because I do think that if, like, we rewind the clock a year and a half, playing breakthrough defensively in like gun line situations was a thing that happened all the time yeah um yeah and i'm thinking of a game i had an invader against luke where i had veers bosk and he had veers boba and i played that way and it it worked but i don't think that you know yeah probably today's (laughs) (laughs) that's another conversation right yeah Uh, (laughs) oh gosh i Um, mean to piggy to piggyback on a lot of things we brought up there is one thing that um, I, I think we might want to discuss and, and see, I want to see how you guys feel about it. Right. Is that in breakthrough, I find myself playing the lower pip cards earlier and keeping my higher pip cards later. So I can have more order control for when I need to break through. Um, if I am the, you know, the player that is trying to break through, I want the order control to be better and three pips allow that. Um, it depends on the board makeup. It depends on the threat level. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not de- deliberately not playing a three pip to, you know, to hold on to later on purpose. But if, if the board is there and you know that you're the team that has to like try and break through more. So I think order control come becomes super important. And if you're throwing a one pip or two pip on a turn, you need more orders on the table. It can really hurt. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, saving your saving your multi order cards for later. I, I think priority really is sensitive to the position. It's not strict. I mean, I don't think you can generalize personally. It's also like, you know, maybe you lose a commander early. Maybe your choices get limited somehow. But I, I think I'm not. I'm of the opposite opinion. I think sometimes you want priority in the late turn because you want to be able to tie up a unit before they can react. So let's. That's my option. Yeah, and tying up units in melee is totally valid on late turns, on lots of objectives, but especially on breakthrough. Um, Let's talk about basically two scenarios. So we talked about basically (laughs) approaching it as a gun line when you're blue, which is pretty rare these days. So regardless of who's red or blue, let's talk about approaching it with breakthrough friendly units, which would be mobile units like Mandos and Staps and Tom Toms Mm -hmm. and any other sort of speeder. You know, a lot of vehicles. Uh, and then on the other side of the coin, let's also talk about it if you don't have any of those units, if you have a more static list. And in each of those situations, how do you approach breakthrough? Keep your mobile units the heck out of melee is the first the first point. Um, actually, I don't know if this is the right time to segue into this, but I played a real-life game on breakthrough, and the thought just literally occurred to me that if my opponent had had her clan Ren on this like piece of terrain that was kind of in the middle of the war, we we're playing hemmed in, which was terrible for me as red. Um, cause especially cause she kept clan Ren in the middle and they could have literally run either way. And like, the I, I tried to like force the win by 
well, not force them, but I tried to like, you know, stay in the game by running things into melee with Clan Ren. But if Clan Ren had taken the opportunity to jump onto this building in the middle, there would have been nothing I could have done short of killing them to prevent the victory. Like I, I got lucked out that they were on the floor and I had troopers that could tackle them over successive turns. <laughs> but but that's the thing, right? You use jump to keep yourself from getting pin, pinned in place by an opportunistic unit of stormtroopers or whatever you're fighting against. Um, and then the second thing is you're trying to like, you have to just keep track of the turn or if you're in a tournament scenario, the time remaining and you kind of have to calibrate what you do with your actions. Um, shooting is not preferable sometimes. I mean, if you're a Tauntaun, you don't have to choose, which is awesome. Um, but if you're a Mando, you need to make that choice. You need to be just cognizant of how many moves it's going to take you to get to get in. And you need to be, you need to always have like some like mental, it's, it's always wise to keep some mental track of who's eligible to score. And you need to just count that every so often during the turn, you just be like, okay, well, this unit can score, this unit can score, and this unit can score. So like there's three over there that could do it. And I have four of my own. Oh, wait, that's that's R2 Hill off secret mission. There'll be four to four if this happens. And you sort of like have to run through that calculus all the time and just be aware of it. I, th I think that's a really good point. I think every game of Breakthrough starts with like, how many activations do they have? And how many activations do I have? And, yes. and I think the calculus of more so than a lot of other objectives even I think like intercept and stuff um, you need to be actively counting who can score and who can't um, to, to your point about like uh, how specific I, like fast lists, I guess move um, in breakthrough. I think that uh, you know, a, a lot of pe people tend to use their fast units as glass cannons and in breakthrough, you really don't want to, and and I mean, I think this, I think this stands in general, mostly, um, but I think that it's a trap that you can fall into even more in breakthrough, and that like you're like, oh, I want to get in the end zone, and then you get there and you realize you have like three more turns, and your speeder bikes don't have anything to hide behind, and then they start doing donuts to stay in the zone, and it it you really need to plan it out specifically if you've got something with the speeder keyword, right? Like if you've got a T forty seven. Um, even if it's bad or whatever, um, like you still, you still need to like plan for how it's going to end up there. Cause you don't want it to end up there on turn four and then have it be useless. The last two turns of the game, you, you want it, you want it shooting, um, throughout the game and then landing in the end zone at the end. Right. So, um, you know, it, uh, for, for people that play Armada, this is similar to planning out, you know, a ship's course when you set down a ship on the table and, and I mean like that goes for most Legion games, but a little bit more for breakthrough where you have to end somewhere specific. Right. Um, and you should try and plan a little flexibility in there. Um, but it is oftentimes more important for your fast units to end in the breakthrough zone than to do the damage. Um, so, you're explaining all the reasons why I don't like tauntauns and breakthrough behind you. I, I understand. I mean, I think tauntauns are pretty resilient and durable generally, um, I think the meta right now is very anti-Tauntaun, so I get that. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think preserving your units that can easily make it into the breakthrough zone, I think, is super important. Um, so flanking, going around the outside edges, um, you know, rebels 
there's a ton of rebel units that are good at at break they're tauntauns the t47 mandos sabine um i mean pathfinders are even kind of good at it to be honest like on 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 deployments where it's tough to cover all of the deployment zone like a battle lines or in advanced positions or a disarray having like a unit of pathfinders that is just like in a position that's like way out and you know nowhere is can often just lead to them scoring you know and so a, a game where they don't have to attack cool yeah, yes <laughs> but i mean but if I they mean, win but... you the game by scoring a victory oh uh, no i know i know i just that's, had that's to not it. to say that they might not get some ch- range four chip damage in you know now <laughs> and again or knock off a sniper team but you know yeah i mean i mean um but i think that rebels have a lot of units probably the highest density of units that are good at breakthrough um so yeah something we haven't mentioned yet and i think i maybe mentioned it in passing also units that are unable to be engaged are actually like really strong on breakthrough so for example um long time ago way before any of this um tauntaun stuff there was a unit called the occupier tank and you could load a unit into this occupier tank and drive it into your enemy's deployment zone and disembark off it and you could do that in like one turn and score two points on breakthrough if you just like load veers into the tank and drive it in and and you cannot stop that like it just crushes anything in its way unless it's like well i guess i guess it can't drive over other vehicles or creature troopers but if you're just like a bunch of infantry that you can't stop that you have to kill it there's no way around it <laughs> So vehicles are actually really good for breakthrough. I always take breakthrough and vehicle lists, especially if they're like somewhat fast. So like a tank, for example, or uh, ATRTs even are actually pretty quick when they double move. They oh, here's an, here's an interesting question. Are there any quote unquote slow vehicles? That is a very good question. Um, I don't know. Is for for their side like is the atst no. kind of slow the ATST no. wants to aim shoot i mean the thing is that their bases are so large that that it the fact that they use like a speed one or a speed two movement tool is like super deceiving right because yeah, like the occupier you, right you also gain the width of the base so yeah i mean the occupier is a great example but like the saber and the aat both their bases are gigantic you know yeah. um so you know, I mean, the saber, the saber <laughs> the fact is that moves, quick is. I was just going to say, the fact that this base is huge, but it also moves speed too, is like kind of like, like, like ridiculous. It is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Like, I could understand if somebody built like a Republic list with a, a saber tank with Plo Koon and breakthrough and bombing run in it, or even like double saber and just went all in on the skew. Like, I could totally see that. Um, like, I mean, the only slow vehicles in ATRT because it's typically dead, right? Um, no. But <laughs> well, maybe now, maybe now to ISF, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it was never just now. Okay, but... let's let's separate let's separate durability from speed. All right, yeah, all right. I mean, you can't move if it's on I mean, the table. The um, easiest <laughs> thing to kill is a staff, ATRTs. Frankly. ATRTs were fine. Yeah, were which fine. which the stat the stat conversation brings up to the fact that back to i'll do i was gonna hit something else but i'll hit the tauntauns first like the tauntauns and like staps yeah 
they're technically good on breakthrough because of speed and they can do a lot of damage. And I get why David is probably a fan of breakthrough on Tauntauns, but for my, I mean, and I'm not saying that they're, I'm not saying that it's like that. I mean, I said they suck, I guess, but so I'm just going to lean into it, I guess. Right. (laughs) Is that I just, I have like, I feel like a lot of the times when you expect your Tauntauns to live to turn six to score, they don't. Um, Now, most of the time they probably have traded up. It depends on what you're playing against. Right. Um, but I mean, I feel like Tauntaun should be bringing bombing run and not breakthrough at this point. And I know it's a totally different story than like, you know, six months ago. I mean, I guess you could always say you bring both, but like, they just feel so much better on bombing run. And what I mean by that is that like breakthrough, they have to basically choose to either go in and kill stuff or try and be long and durable and play the end game. They can't choose to do both. I mean, they, they can do both but they might not necessarily obtain both. Whereas bombing run, they can kind of do both. Except when you're trying to score three VPs, right, David? Except for that one game where you had to put the bombing run tokens on your on your Tauntauns and win the game three to nothing. So that was, like a, that was like a whole different, right, that's, that's a whole different, uh, that's like a, that's a totally uh, different story because of Invader League, right? <laughs> but like, my uh, point is that like the, the, the Tauntauns want to be mobile and hit you rather than, try and play the long game and score. But um, Tauntauns, they can stop the others. Yeah. They can stop you from scoring. Well, I, that's I, the thing. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. also like really good at tar pitting. Right. Right. The Tauntauns are not about, I mean, they're definitely like good at scoring victory points. Um, objectives like breakthrough, but that's not really their primary role. Their primary role is to pin your opponent in their own deployment zone. Yeah. Which they're really good at. Oh, they're, yeah. they're definitely good at that. I don't know. I just I've played a couple games of breakthrough with Tauntauns, and maybe it's just me. I don't like Tauntauns, and I don't I'm not really good at playing them. Maybe. I, well, okay. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? Tauntauns are not easy to hide. Yeah, and totally. So there's a situation that could arise, just like with speeder bikes and other other uh, light vehicles, where you just feed your points, and then you're down. You know. Right. That's probably that's dead. my <laughs> issue is that. And I, that's why I never really played Tauntauns is that sometimes I feel like I'm feeding my opponent points. I, yeah. I can't, and I cannot play Legion that right. way. Like that's it just not how bad. my mind works. Um, now, Kyle, to hit your other question back when this all started is that, like, let's say I'm red and I'm playing a gun line. My advice is to kind of ball up and play like a phalanx. And um, I mean, it depends on what you're playing against. Cause again, you can get tar pitted by fast mobile units, but if you can, and I'm not saying just for clones, David. You're making a face. Even of like with making a face because like you're, you're describing the the clone leaf. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be clones. It can be yeah. it can be Empire, it can be Rebels, it can be whatever kind of gunline you're playing. Yeah, I feel like it's okay for you to ball up and play like a phalanx and oh, no, move and move together because there's going to come to a point where mm-hmm. yeah, where shooting is bad and breakthrough. But if your opponent gives you an opportunity to take all those shots and you're in a, and you're together, you can kind of focus fire on something if you need to, and then get yourself up, you know, an activation or take an activation away from them from scoring. And if you're moving together, you can also choose whether you can turn the game around from being red into blue and then maybe fade back. Or then you can all, you can also start pushing towards the deployment zone that you're trying to score in. So, I just feel like it's easier to be in the same area. I mean, it's always generally better to be in the same area as a gun line. Right. But it's, but like, it's even more important on breakthrough because you need to kind of pick and choose which way you need to go as red. 
whether it's to break through or to kill something and fall back and try and be blue. Like there's a lot of different scenarios where I think just making sure that you're together is important for the long game. Yeah, I mean, first first RPQ I ever won, uh, Flyboys versus Vader, Vader Snows, okay? And that's exactly what happened. Like, I was even blue, but, you know, I'm still, like, moving, so, like, inching slowly towards my opponent's DZ, and then, like, at the end, it's sort of like, oh, cool, well, Vader can break through. Well, no, now I have, you know, three three units that can all break, and that's just going to win, you know? Because, and, and like you say, you just move as, you move as a group, and you're always trying to, like, create you're trying to create opportunities to score points that's that's like the that's the fundamental rule right yeah what you do with any given position is create try to create a win condition it's basically something you know that you'll you'll understand right is like you're basically trying to give yourself an out like Mm -hmm. you have you want to give yourself as many outs as you can when you get to the river is basically how you know obviously it's a little more controllable than a card game because you can only have an X amount of outs when you're playing a card game, but when you're playing, you know, Legion, you, you can control how many outs you have. I love, I love the, uh, I love the poker references. It was funny earlier. We were talking about, Oh, I got to roll. I got to roll six hits or whatever. It's like, yeah, I got to hope I, I got to hope, you know, I I suck out on this guy or whatever. You know, that's what that means. You know, but yeah, I mean, hope is not hope is a, what rebellions are built on, but hope is not a strategy. No. No, it's not. <laughs> it's really, really not. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that you guys, you know, it, it really can't be stressed enough in Breakthrough and in any other game that, like, keeping your army together for the most part is super important. Um, you know, there, there are times when it can catch you off guard. Sabine throws some bombs at you. you Bosk throws some bombs at you you know, whatever. Um, but overall, just being able to like, you want to be able to shoot all of your guns at the same time. Um, most of the time. Oh, dude, you know, you know what we haven't talked about yet? We haven't talked about trick plays where you go in melee with, with a unit out of a deployment zone and snap your opponent's unit leader out of the, out of position. Well, let's talk about this. That's hard to pull off. It's happened though. It's happened though many times actually, and that happens when a unit with fewer models engages a unit with more models. So, so beyond just trick plays, and we can include trick plays in this. Yeah. But what are ways that you can prevent? So you, your opponent has a scoring unit mm-hmm. that's notionally within range of your deployment zone. What are some ways that you can prevent that unit from scoring besides killing them? cohesion some of these Um, can be obvious right like suppression yeah well suppression Suppression. um if if you're trying to go over like like the tricksy hobbitsy play like david's saying is you can kind of if you can like map out where your opponent's trying to break through especially with your horde of droids there kyle is you can kind of cohere and and get yourself into a position where your opponent actually has nowhere to go unless they want to engage in melee with you and if you cohere in a way where you're like where they can't get their full base in your deployment zone because that's like a super thing that hasn't really been discussed at all either it's just kind of it's kind of like a known quantity but always remember breakthrough is the full base like the full base has to be in or you are not scoring so if you can kind of like map out where your opponent's like two speed two moves would be 
and you cohere in a position where they're trying to like, Oh, you know, try and catch you at the last minute of the game and double move into your deployment zone to score. You can box them out essentially. Um, that's one way to do it. I mean, vehicles can box out like we've discussed and and that's another way you can do it. Um, suppression, like you mentioned, Kyle is like massive against things that aren't cards too, I guess, or droids. Well, even against courage too, you know, you have suppressive weapons, Jedi mind trick, right? There are ways to suppress courage to units. It's harder, 50% harder, but you know, I mean, it, can it always, it boils down to understanding, um, target priority like whatever unit is in the, is like most for like whatever the most forward unit is, is the one that you're going to want to make sure you start dumping that suppression onto. And I'm not saying you shouldn't suppress units in the back. Um, I mean, breakthrough is probably the game most where you're going to see split fires. I think um, if you're trying to apply suppression, like it's oh, like generally splitting fire is not like the best of plans, but if you really need to start applying suppression to things that are moving in on you split fire, um, I, f- I feel like breakthrough is like, is like one of those game modes where you kind of break like the unwritten rules of Legion, um, split firing being one. And like, I've also like David, like you mentioned, like tar paying someone out from getting into deployment zone. And I brought it up in one way. I've also forward cohered like all of my units into a deployment zone. So that way, if they did tar pit me, all of my guys are in the deployment zone, which is like breaking the number one rule of Legion, um, competitive Legion, is you never want to cohere forward. You never want to be a fo- like ahead of your leader. But if you double move your unit leader and he's in, you don't want to leave a guy out, like you said, a guy out of the deployment zone because you can now get stuck out of it. So like... Well, this this tends to happen when, when a unit with less models comes in contact with a unit with more models. Because what ends up happening is the unit with the, the first unit to make contact has to place each one of its models in base contact with an, an unoccupied model in the opposing unit. So the only way they can force you as the person getting engaged to move your models is if they have fewer models than you do. And that causes your out of melee models to move into melee with someone else. Now, it it's pretty hard actually to make this happen but we've seen it happen in major tournaments especially with strike teams which are a two model unit if they get engaged by a lone trooper unit leader there's a strong chance that that unit leader in the um in in the strike team can get yanked out of the deployment zone and no longer count for breakthrough because it has to snap to a part of the the um engaging units base that forces it out um same is true for uh, you know, like say you have a, a five-man unit of rebel troopers, but like one of them is out of the deployment zone. Well, if they get engaged by a lone sergeant, then the rest of the people get pulled out. And it could be that the leader has nowhere to stand that is valid for it to be counting for breakthrough. And that's super dangerous um, when you're, you know, anytime a, a lone sergeant is within range two of your of your breaking unit, that can that can happen to you especially true against clones if they let you get that far, but <laughs> clones, especially because clones like to hide those single unit leaders because they're good for token sharing still. So, well, and even just beyond pulling a unit out with melee, mm-hmm. if you can catch a unit before it's moved in, in melee, right. You know, if I it's not, move. if it's not within withdrawal range of the deployment zone, that's better than killing them. Yeah, exactly. Cause then, then they no longer score and it's like, right. well, whatever. Yeah. 
because killing shooting something and killing it involves rolling dice yeah and you know no matter how reliable you think your attack is there's a non-zero chance that you might not kill the thing you're you're trying to kill right like like for example the real life game i played i took a bet that clan ren with two models was not going to kill four rebel troopers but they happened to with a name token get four hits and i rolled a blank so it was like you know it was still the right play because if i hadn't made that play they would have just broken through and i would have lost immediately but i gave myself a shot yeah, it turned out that that unit rebel troopers with the medic attached was worth enough points to give me the points loss as well. But sometimes that doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, but it was still the correct play. Yeah, I think it's it just didn't work out in my favor. That's all. Like using melee as a tool to deny your opponent the ability to do things in later stages of the game. It's it's one of the things that I th- think doesn't get talked about enough. It really shines in Breakthrough, but it's really applicable on just about every objective. Um, I tar pit a lot, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, like yeah. like just tar pitting on turns 5 and 6 can often decide a game. Um, you know who's really good at tar pitting? Mandalorians. Yeah, no, totally. Yep. It's you know, thick at tar pitting. It's unreal how good they are. Um, I Often people get into a mindset of like, I need to kill this unit for it to not be able to do its thing right um but if you're close enough just melee it like whatever um it's it accomplishes the same thing most of the time there are times that it doesn't when they can kill you and move on like don't try and like tar pit a lightsaber user most of the time right like that's not gonna that's generally not gonna work (laughs) yeah also because of force push right i mean there's there's a variety variety of issues there they may just wipe you in one go Right. And, and then force push the other unit that's tarpeting them. It's it's very hard to tarpet a force user. Um, right. But you know, just about every other unit in the game um, that's not a vehicle, it's pretty easy to tarpet units. Um, and it makes your opponent decide. Like if you if you tarpet a unit with like uh, a naked rebel trooper squad, your opponent is presented with two bad choices almost always the first is they sacrifice their turn and withdraw so they can continue doing the same thing what they wanted to do next turn and um have the chance to just get tar pitted again or they can spend this turn killing your naked rebel troopers in which case which is not what they wanted to do anyways right Right. they didn't care about that unit um so it, it's a really easy way to make units that don't matter very effective. Um, and, you know, using that, that example, naked rebel troopers tend to be hanging out by, by your deployment zone a lot of the time because you don't want them to get shot, right? So they're, they're a good unit to just like, oh, it's turn six, I'm going to double move into you, and or it's the end of turn five, you've already activated, so you've only got one turn left, I'm going to double move into you now you're presented with two options that neither of them win you the game. So, um, but, but that's also applicable on like sabotage the moisture operators or intercept the transmissions. No. So, but you're bringing up in, in, in Sabs in a Yavin game, I used R2D2 and C3PO to tar pit an ISF unit on a coordinated fire turn. And it was a deliberate move. I moved towards their deployment zone, but it was a full health R2 and 3PO. And I was up on points and I had a Mandalorian squad that was 
down two models. And this ISF was building up AIM tokens. So I, I said to myself, I killed a shore unit. That's a lot of points. If I lose R2 and 3PO, I don't really need, I don't really need secret mission to win this game. I'm basically making sure that this ISF doesn't turn the corner and shoot my Mandalorians and then goes up points, right? Because then if they go up points, I now have to kind of play more of a aggressive style. So I took the droid that everyone hates and I decided to just chuck him at the ISF. Now, much to my opponent's dismay, he ended up punching R2, only doing a couple of wounds, punched him again next turn and did not kill him. And then R2 just, you know, recovered and then, you know, craziness happened but what i was trying to do was protect a unit from not being shot so like while it applies to breakthrough for not letting something break through it's also important that on like even on breakthrough is to tar pit something that might shoot something that is going to score you, like you there's a lot of different distract? ways come on <laughs> <Yeah>. man <laughs> i almost did actually um but in the position i was in i figured i could hold them up for a turn and a half or two um i was, I was thinking if you really want to make them mad, if you had activate them, you play blast off and wait till their ISF acts, and then you just walk away, and then they punch <laughs> you, and you have a dodge token. Yeah, <laughs> like, I well, well, you can't kill. Me. It's mathematically impossible to kill me because I have a dodge and five health for five health left or whatever, and then you just walk out of melee and win the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's like well, it was a lot of different scenarios in that. You can totally troll people with blast off. It's it's unreal. Well. I mean, it's worth noting that that's why Blastoff is, to some degree, considered an auto-include in, in lists that include R2-D2, right? Because yeah. it's, it is often that um, tar pitting is considered as a eligible way to shut R2 down. Yeah, and, I've, I've lost to that, actually. Yeah. Because I took a shot in Son of Skywalker and not Blastoff, and oh man... Right. It's it's a terrible feeling when a phase two ties you up. <laughs> yeah, and, and blast off just makes it so that I mean, it's pretty difficult to one shot R2 with a dodge token if he's got three PO, yeah. right? Exactly. Um in melee at least. Um and so yeah, that's just like that is what that card is there for, to specifically yep. make sure that that uh possibility doesn't happen yeah it like forces a win almost in some situations because they just can't hack through him fast enough and then he walks away so besides suppression and besides melee tie-ups what other ways can you prevent a unit that is notionally within range from reaching your deployment zone well block him with a vehicle okay so physical blocking yeah physical blocking so like put your atst where they would have to go into moves or put your occupier tank. I mean, there's a lot of like a lot of edge cases of like force push. Um I don't think force push is an edge case. Dooku <laughs> no, Dooku's um Dooku's three pip, right? Yeah, I mean Dooku Dooku's lightning throw. Um yeah. Vader's might. I mean, these are all card I mean they're all Vader's might is my favorite. Generally what <laughs> I do is I put them on a building that they no yeah. longer can I they have to like double clamber off or something. <laughs> like, I, uh, so Ascension Cables is the counter to Vader's might. Well, it's it's funny because we were playing, um, we did a lot of worlds testing. Um, uh-huh. And I was playing a lot of Operative Vader. And I think uh, Kyle and, and Gordon were both playing Rebels pretty confidently. And I, and I, I don't remember if you both had R2 or only one of you. Um, but like we, ev- we both had R2. Yeah, yeah, like every game I just Vader's mighted R2 on top of a building. <laughs> 
gotta have blast off man yeah and i mean they were playing like luke so they had all of luke's cards or right. whoever he was They're... being played with right so I'm like r2 whatever, is just yeah. sitting on top of a building in the middle of the map for the rest of the game and uh yeah right because the grounded keyword means he can't climb not even climb down <laughs> he's just stranded yep the real question you can do that to tauntauns too yeah yeah tauntauns hate it um, and do backs and do yeah I mean, if you ever see one, <laughs> the elusive dewback. What's a dewback? Oh, before we leave tarpening, I was gonna say, short trooper mortars. Look out! Those things are like nasty at tarpening. They'll get you. They can engage you. Be careful. Yeah, they move surprisingly fast. Yeah, they're, they're actually nice. pretty fast for a speed one unit. They can get you. All right. Any any final breakthrough thoughts? Um, you you've got to be really dynamic when you play breakthrough. Um, yeah, you can't be you can't be static. You have to move. Yeah, like and and you've got to and when I say you've got to be dynamic, like you can't just be like, oh, I am open to options. You you like have to physically put your models in places where they are flexible. Like you you know you can't be like, oh, I'm I'm entertaining the option to do X Y and Z. You actually have to put them in places where they can actively you know flip-flop go towards the zone or back away and be effective at at engaging the enemy at the same time um so you know uh there's kind of like and when at least the old kind of like the old school way of playing breakthrough often was like kind of like ships in the night a little bit um where both armies would kind of like toe the line of range three and range four and you would always have to kind of like sneaking in and taking pot shots at range three. Cause like at that point, range four wasn't that big a thing. Right. Um, like sneaking in, taking a range three shot and kind of like sneaking back out while also kind of doing the, you know, I'm moving past you. You're moving past me thing. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Circle, circling the bull. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think that that's still somewhat applicable. I think it's less applicable now, but I do think that kind of like you want to be actively achieving what you're trying to do while taking like opportunity shots and stuff like that. Um, that's definitely my, the way I like to play breakthrough just cause I've been, I've been got you way too many times playing defensively, trying to play for the zero zero tie. Um, it, yeah, I don't know. It, that that never pans out well for me i have found um it uh specifically i i lost my last game at um high command like that um but yeah so um i don't know that's my thoughts yeah be, well yeah i think kyle kyle and, and mike back when the show was young i think we mentioned it that you need to have a plan for all six turns for all your units. Breakthrough is like 100% that, that objective. If you don't have some kind of plan, some kind of forward looking plan, you're, you're going to lose before you know you've lost. Always be measuring. Oh, you yeah, just took it out of my mouth. <laughs> yep. Always be measuring. Always, always know how far. So the, you know, we've talked about the range rulers and move distances before. You can now use the movement tools to pre-measure. Yes. In some circumstances. 
but even then it's not always super helpful because you got to add the base onto the end. So it's still, it's still good to know the actual range ruler distances. A speed two move for a trooper unit is the most important one to know. And that's the, also the easiest one to remember is just range one, right? Range one is six inches. The movement tool is five inches and a trooper base is a little bit less than an inch when you account for the, um, the bevel on the base. So uh, just shy, like two millimeters shy of six inches or range one is a speed two move for a trooper unit. Um, speed three move with a small base trooper unit is eight inches just shy of eight inches, which is the range ruler plus, you know, a third of a segment. And if, if you actually, it's too bad I don't have a range ruler right here in front of me, but if you actually look on the range ruler, those, those little lines that are detailed on the range ruler are actually like at roughly two inch increments, depending on which line you're looking at. So the measurements to break your range ruler up into increments are right there on the range ruler. You just gotta kind of like know you know, where those, what points those lines represent. Yeah. I can't paint them, um, competitively. Well, well, you actually, you can paint your range rulers. Yes. And if you want to throw like a, you know, a wash or something inside those, those lines that are on there already. Um, I think that's legal. At least yeah, I hope so. Cause that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you can't like physically like mark them. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't, you can't paint like tick marks. That you can? Yeah. Technically. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. It's in the tourney regs. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because there are some people I know who showed up at events with range rulers with like bar sections painted red. And it's like, well, of course that's a freaking tick mark. Yeah. And right. this, this goes, this goes back to like, you know, what's, <laughs> what's okay. And what's not. And ultimately that's for, yeah, that's for the a TO to decide, please don't paint two inch segments on your range rulers. Yeah. Don't be that guy. They're on there already. Just don't, don't be a douche. Just use what's on there already. <laughs> it's, it's there. You just, yeah, please don't paint tick marks on your range rulers. Um, but uh, yeah, so speed three move is eight inches with a small base and then speed one is four. So it's easy to remember four, six, eight. And four being obviously two thirds of the way of range one. Um, and then it gets a little more complicated with things like tauntauns or speeder bikes. But basically, you know, it's about a half inch bigger, those bases than a small base trooper unit. So you know, eight and a half inches for a speed three move with one of those bad boys, uh, just shy of 18 inches, like 17 and a half inches for two moves. So yeah, just, just remember all those distances. It helps to, um, you know, you can even like mark out on a sheet of paper, like actually do the moves and then put the range ruler down next to it and kind of, you know, figure out how far that is. But Always be measuring, know your move distances, super key. Any final thoughts? I think we, we pretty much covered it. Breakthrough is like, I don't know. It's simple for the most part, but it, it's very complicated once you're in the thick of it. Yeah, simple, but not so simple. Yeah, like, I mean, like I said earlier, it's, it's like a game with no flash. It's just like you're kind of like, you know, you kind of hit it with the boat. So you're just kind of dancing to see who can get there. And it's it's not really like fireworky, which is fine. It's not that it's not every game needs to be fireworky to be good. All right. So I actually have one thing to plug before we end the show. 
there is a, they're calling it the Vader Bowl 2020, but basically there's a charity Legion match going on. Um, let me make sure I get these details right. Cause you know how good I am at live reads. Um, <laughs> You're good. I support this message. Okay. The, uh, on the 26th of October, uh, Nerfly and Cody 1307 from the discord are doing a Vader versus Vader match and it's for charity. So um, any donations collected during the stream will be donated to St. Jude's. I'm sure they'll have more details on how to actually do that, but it is at 10.30 p.m. Eastern on the 26th and it's being streamed by the captain from the 82nd Legion. So I'm sure they'll have some details on that, but check it out October 26th, 10.30 p.m. St. Jude's for a good cause. I'm sure that, that Brad will uh, tell me if I messed up any of those details. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else to plug? Yes. Uh, Team League single eliminations are starting. And I'm, by the time you hear this, you'll have missed, unfortunately, the kickoff show that's happening tomorrow morning. Um, we're recording on a Monday. Tomorrow's Tuesday. But uh, you can catch the VOD on twitch.tv slash yavinbase if you haven't already watched the live show. And we're going to talk about what happened with phase one, uh, who made it into phase two, and what are some trends that are happening in the league, and what are the new maps that are coming. Because we have some new maps, completely new, never before been played upon. Sweet. Except by the testers. So wow. New stuff coming. All right. Cool. Yep. So catch that VOD, twitch.tv slash Yavinbase. Much excite. And congrats on making it into single limbs, everybody. <laughs> squeaking, squeaking into squeaking single in. limbs. Well, you, you did pretty good. You're sixth overall. Yeah, yeah, 12. Yeah. That's not yeah. bad at and all. And we ended up doing okay. Yeah, you, but, two, uh, two, one, and 10 points is more than respectable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it should be, it'll be fun. It's a, uh, Yavinbase, based on the format, is a, is a fun, like, testing ground for new stuff. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's supposed to promote experimentation. Yep, yeah. absolutely. I mean, and I think we stabilized our our lists. As we did. First yeah. round was a little rocky oh, with the overall team strategy. Let's give out secrets. Let's <laughs> yeah, yeah. come on, come on, come on. I'm debating whether I should complete, publish the list. We're gonna be completely unexpected moving into round <laughs> eliminations. We're bringing all we're bringing sorts of stuff. Five empire lists. Yeah, we're bringing operative Vader. We're bringing. Double saber tank. We're bringing, you know, we're bringing all the stuff. It's double T forty seven. Yes, get ready. It's going to be. I great. would love it. I would love it if you actually did crush single limbs with like five of one faction. That would actually be impressive. I think that would be basically impossible. That should be like an achievement. Yeah, that would be achievement unlocked. But I, I don't. Storms are storms are pretty good. I hear. That means like I mean, one of us would have to run Han Solo. So. <laughs> I think I think you'd end up with some like seven activation lists. It's possible. Probably. Yeah, it's possible. With five of the same faction. That's true, actually, because you can't take uh, lots of strike teams. To I mean, I guess you only have the one with three, right? So. I don't know. I think I think you can probably like with rebels end up with a bunch of nine activation lists. Like, the core of each list would be hero. Yeah, six, different character combinations. Six, six yeah. rebel troopers with various add-ons and then like just fill in three special forces i mean like you could pretty you you could do hero six dudes and like three wookies you know i mean it, it yeah Reb rebels could do it rebels could do it rebels could do it yeah yeah other factions would have a harder time i think just because the quantity of characters 
that you could bring would be decent. You can, play, you can play the Separatists, you can play Galactic Republic, you can play Galactic Empire, or you can play DLT 20A. Well, we wouldn't be able to do five lists for Republican and CIS because there's only Grievous, Dooku, Rex, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Kenobi. Right. So we're a little, little tied down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah, be prepared, whoever our opponent is. We don't know that yet, but... Um, you will know by tomorrow. We will. All right. And good luck to everybody and Elims. Godspeed. Uh, we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. And I'm Zach. Stay fresh to the bags. <laughs>